Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by LeCole, here today with Benji on our Sunday evening, wrapping up the Tour de Romandie. We just watched the last stage, the Stage 5 individual time trial from Fribourg to Fribourg, 16 kilometers long, and boy, technical, bad road surfaces, cobbled, steep climbs, a nasty TT. This is not a straightforward exercise. They got a 13% 800-meter climb from in the first two kilometers up to the intermediate time check at 8.5 Ks. They do a 1,200-meter 5.5% climb. Then they descend back into Fribourg technical descent we've got potholes and manhole covers in the apex of corners delightful stuff and then the last k it was a climb up to the finish a reminder of the gc standings after the queen stage yesterday mike woods first wearing the yellow jersey 11 seconds ahead of grant thomas ben o'connor the australian on 21 seconds in third nipping at their heels for the podium spots. Soler fourth on 33, Port 36 back, Masnada for De Koenig on 45 in sixth, then Izaguirre 48, Hamilton 49, and Caruso a minute and four. Benji, do we even say favourites for this stage yesterday? I can't even remember. What's Maybe remind people of some of the weather conditions and crashes if they're just tuning into this pod because I think you feel they coloured how this TT was ridden. Yep. Uh, yesterday we uh, had the crash of Thomas in the last uh, kilometre, which obviously makes it that we weren't sure about the form that Thomas would have in this time trial. We didn't know if he was going to have any consequences. Apparently in the interview afterwards he said he was pretty much okay, but uh, it was a bit of a shake-up either way. I think that crashing in the uphill is less influential than crashing in the downhill for this time trial in the sense that Dennis crashed two days ago when already yesterday we saw that he was bangling at the end of the uh, of the peloton, not really looking for too much danger in the sends, losing a bit of ground in the sends in that group. And by the end of the send, came to the front and started helping. So was taking everything very, very fought out to descend and if you're thinking out every corner then you're going to ride slower than the ones that are flying through and not thinking as much about the corners and i think dennis today might have done the same because uh well i won't spoil it too much but i expected for the storm trial i um i thought with the descents that are included in this one knowing that the last one is pretty treacherous that he would likely lose some time on that aspect of the storm trial and that that time trial could have, have its influence. And it could also make sure that people who are not as scared of the descent would end up doing a better descent. But the thing about it is we said, I think a few years ago, I think last year there was a race on the podcast where we had Woods, was it in Tirreno somewhere, where in the last five to 10 kilometers, he had one small descent section where we thought, 
yeah, he's not a great descender here. And we haven't really noticed that too much since then. But I still feel like I was pretty um, sure that Thomas was going to win either way, even if it was like another descent. Because, well, Thomas is just on paper a much better time trialist than Michael Woods. Michael Woods is just not a good time trialist at this point. And, well, let's take a look what that offered today. Did you expect anything uh, spectacular to happen no. here? <laughs> Not really, to be frank with you. We expected Geraint Thomas to win GC, and that's what happened. We, You know how we do the TT results. Remy Cavagna went early when it was dry conditions before the rain. He set the second best time to the intermediate and then the best time at the finish with a time of 21.54 Cavagna in the French National Champs TT skin suit. Second was Stefan Bischiger, who beat Cavagna in that Paranese Stage 1 up and down TT by like 0.8 of a second, you may recall. He said a quicker second half or very, I think, a quicker second half than Cavagna. Yes, he did, Benji, but wasn't enough. Six seconds behind Cavagna. So that was the stage win wrapped up. Those two obviously not in contention for GC whatsoever. Van Wilder came fourth. He was originally in third for quite a long time, the young Belgian rider. But Grant Thomas, he rolled out second. He came third in this TT. I think he might have beaten Bissiger and come second, but for he took this last ascent so cautiously. He said in the interview afterwards that the car was telling him, slow down, take the descent easy. He said it kind of messed with his head even more hearing that. Uh, but he came third with a time of 22 11. What's that, Benji? 17 seconds behind Remy Cavagna, which meant going back now to the GC situation, Mike Woods rolling out a minute or two after Geraint Thomas. He only had an 11-second lead ahead of Geraint Thomas. With Thomas doing such a good time, not crashing, no issues like that, no mechanicals, we knew it was pretty much done for Woods, especially at the intermediate. He was, I think, oh, about 30 seconds or 28 seconds behind Grant Thomas because Grant Thomas, by the way, he set the quickest at the intermediate. So that goes to show how cautiously he took the second half in the descent. So he wins GC because Woods came. Oh, I can't do maths that quickly, Benji. Like a minute, <laughs> 56 seconds, 56 or so seconds maybe behind uh, Grant Thomas. So not a good TT from Michael Woods. Uh, behind, oh, it's not a good TT, losing over a minute and yep. seven seconds in a 22-minute TT, especially when he's fighting for tooth and nail, and he took the descent a lot more aggressively than Geraint Thomas. Uh, so I might just pause there, Benji, to say anything you saw differently. It it played out as we completely as we expected, right? Or was Wood's TT even worse than you expected? No, I think it was... Uh... It was perhaps a tiny bit worse than I expected because you know that when someone is in leader's jersey, they've got that mental ability to try and get some more energy out of it. Then again, it might have been a genius move by Geraint Thomas yesterday by crashing <laughs> in the last 100 meters because by doing so, he made it so he can wear his own skin suit and not the one from the Tour de Romandie. That was galaxy brain move. But uh, all those uh, jokes aside, uh, I wouldn't be joking if he actually had an injury, by the way. Just want to make that clear. Um, Might actually I think be that something too. What Benji said. 
Maybe I'll have to think <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, well, we can pull it even further and say that Cavagna actually lost more time on purpose yesterday to make sure he started before the rain today. We can go <laughs> full conspiracy here. <laughs> yeah. Because obviously he was going to come top 10 in the mountain top yeah. finish queen stage otherwise. <laughs> on that note, on a serious note though, Ineos equipment is obviously way better than ISU's. I mean, you only have to look at Dowsett demands that he uses um, his own equipment in like world championships time trials. He uses a shiv or used a shiv, not the factor. So I don't hesitate in thinking that, okay, on even equipment, Thomas is still smoking woods, but he's also got an advantage because his equipment is surely way better than Mike Woods as well. So it's just a problem for ISU, and I've, that's why Woods for the Tour de France this year, it's going to be difficult for him to really even threaten the top five, maybe Benji, but that's a conversation for another day. For the rest of the podium spots, it was between Soler, Masnada, uh, Richie Port, and about, yeah, about those three guys. And Richie Port, he finished before Grant Thomas. He finished three seconds after him in the actual standing set of time of twenty two fourteen. Really, really solid time for Richie Port. Remembering that he was like nine seconds ahead of Masnada and Ben O'Connor. Mm, he said okay, TT. I think Benji. Pretty good, like 16th, 15th, 16th. Uh, probably the first time he's ever trying to defend a World Tour stage race podium in a TT, but it wasn't enough. That was still 30 seconds plus behind Port. So Port leapfrogged him. Masnada Benji into third, 22.15, four seconds behind Thomas, one second behind Port. Now, he, I reckon he hit that descent a lot harder than those two if I had to guess, and the statistics support that uh, he was quicker in the from the intermediate to the finish than Port and Thomas by a fair bit. Uh, so he really hit that. So he came into third. So here's the final GC standings for the Tour de Romandie, uh, given that we've already told you the podium. Thomas taking out the GC win, Port second, 28 seconds back, Masnada third, 38 seconds back. Solaire did a good TT, but Masnada was just too good. Solaire missing out on third by one second, Woods down to fifth, O'Connor down to sixth, Isagira, Hamilton, Caruso, Kelderman. There's two names we haven't, I haven't mentioned Benji this whole time, Rowan Dennis and Filippo Ganna. What did you make of their performances today? And are you a little bit concerned about Ghana for the uh, Giro d'Italia or does this not matter at all? When it comes to Ghana, it's kind of weird because the second that he lost that time trial in Tirreno, it started to, to fall apart from that point onwards and we haven't seen a good time trial ever since. And we obviously haven't seen like five time trials since then, but we've seen two and in those two, he wasn't nowhere where he should be. Then again, this time trial had more climbing, but he seemed to be better in the second part of this time trial, which was more of an engine aspect and more of that descent aspect. And that might be what he's better at because I think, yeah, last year in the Giro, we had him doing extreme time trials and being very strong on short climbing sections in time trials as well. So he seems to be worse than last year, but... It's just so weird to see him fall apart so suddenly after that Tireno performance because 
quite simply in February, he was destroying everybody in multiple terrain types. So I don't know. It's it seems like he's lost his way for a tiny bit. I wouldn't say uh, that he's uh, lost forever. He's going to come back at some point. But um, I hope that it's a planned out thing that he's planning towards. I think Olympic time trial and world champs time trial would be my guess, wouldn't it? Uh, well, I thought it was next week. Benji taking Namalia Rosa on Saturday. I yeah, that's true. That was the that's plan. True. That's not that far away. That's six days away. And I know, hey, this yeah, yeah, yeah. This course, three hundred and forty meters of climbing in sixteen kilometers. A lot of that in the first half. That being said, would you have expected Damien House and and oh, Antonio Tiberi and I mean Catania, yeah, probably Catania, maybe, but those names to beat him to the intermediate time check. I know he likes probably to do a negative split power wise, but still, that's even if you say, okay, well, it's unrealistic to expect him to climb better than Thomas and Dennis, or I mean, Dennis came third, so it seems to me that Dennis smashed the first half and this took it really really easy in the second half on the descent and knew he was behind Cavania at the intermediate he wasn't going to push on the descent it was wet I think it rained as well after Cavania's TT so Dennis just took it easy wasn't there for GC and couldn't get the stage win whereas Ganna's intermediate was bad and um, we've seen yes he's not set the quickest times in maybe intermediates where there's been climbing in the first half but he's been like second or third he's not been uh, where he was today, which was 17th. And then he smashed the finish. He came, he, well, he set the fourth quickest time in the second half. The weirdest, most novelty result of the day, I reckon, is Andre Amador, third from the intermediate to the finish. He has absolutely banged that <laughs> descent because he was 33rd at the intermediate and set the third quickest time there. Uh, I don't know what the exact split was but um yeah crazy from amador obviously a, a really really solid descender and um gana was fourth just behind him i think on that intermediate so he was trying the whole way it's not like he gave up gana whereas dennis i think you can push that narrative um uh, so just something to think about does that change what you think about who's wearing the malia next saturday benji well, I didn't actually think through it too much yet for Saturday because we haven't done our uh, Jura preview yet. We haven't recorded it yet. We haven't released it yet. It's coming very soon, and we'll uh, discuss it there, I think, is the best all right. idea. All right. I, um, I need to think about it first. But all in all, I do want to point uh, a spotlight at Elon von Welder, who wrote a really good time trial today as well. And uh, he finished fourth on this one, which, which is just, yeah, I knew we could time trial, but this is just confirmation on that. His climbing yesterday was not as good as I hoped it would be. It seemed like the the weather likely got a lot of him because 618 down, having to have Felix Gull pace you upwards on the climb is not the situation you want to be in. Then again, Adensmann was much better that day. So perhaps there was just a clear choice that Adensmann was leader there and Von Wilder was not anymore. But anyway, next to that, I think uh, mostly people will know him from the uh, World Championships juniors race that Evenepoel won. He was the last uh, Belgian rider that launched Evenepoel on his uh, proper attack there. Anyway, that's just a side note. But uh, I think that's about it for what I can add here for this time trial. There's just not too much to add. What what did Cast do today? Because well, I just that's the prologue result was nice, but I think maybe 
he wasn't trying again today um, because he was already out of contention on GC. But, yeah, the TT is not fixed and I think I put more stock in this performance as well. It seems to be you got one kind of better result on stage or the prologue, but then you've got the history of bad TTs and another bad one today. So he's obviously pure domestique, surely, at the Tour de France, which has like 55 kilometres plus of flat time trialling. So, yeah, that's that for him, I think, this year. Vuelta, Benji and I think suits him better. What about Grant Thomas, the winner of this race, Benji? He's not won a race since, I think, 2018, my math serves me right, yep, for nearly three years. Correct. Yep, he didn't win the stage, didn't win a stage. He came third or second the prologue, third yesterday after uh, bungling the finish and third in the TT today. But he takes out the GC, his 23rd pro win. He's now got a pretty big gap to the Tour de France over, I think, well, four to six weeks. Do you think, I don't know, I thought he might have done the Dauphiné as well, but his shape already looks really good. So does this change your perspective on Thomas for the Tour at all? Like, do you think, oh, he can hmm. actually contend with Roglic and Pogaccio? Or is this, I guess he's looking to me as good as he did in 2018. The problem is yeah. I don't think that's good enough anyway. Yeah, it, it's true. And the author stacked against him to win the Tour de France by a statistical view, because I think he'd be the second uh, oldest rider to win the Tour de France uh, just behind Firmi Lambeau and um, just older than Cat Levens as well, who was quite simply already seen as, oh, it's one of the older riders that is winning this race. It's historically a, a very uh, rare thing. So statistically, it's against him, but age is just a number, of course. And uh, well, he is also the oldest winner of Tour de Romandy now. Fun fact for you. Uh, in the end, I think that when it comes to Thomas, I don't necessarily have a view. I said it yesterday between him and the Slovenians. It's impossible to know. And I think we're not really going to know before we start the Tour de France because, well, they're not competing against each other between now and then. Unless Roglic does Swiss or Dauphine and Thomas does the same. But I kind of doubt that. I think that Pogacar did through the Slovene, Slo, Tour of Slovenia, almost ruined that name. And um, if I have to be guessing, it, it wouldn't be surprising if Roglic does it as well. And it wouldn't be surprising if Thomas goes for Swiss while Roglic would lean towards a, a Dauphiné more. But we've seen a lot of them just go for high altitude camps these days, just before a ground tour. So it could just as well be that Roglic decides to go for an altitude camp instead, and then we won't know either. So, yeah, it's an impossible unknown for me to see what the difference is between the two. I think that Thomas has the real advantage when it comes to the parkour of the Tour de France, in the sense that... Does he, though? I feel like he does, because I think... Let me change the wording. I think relative to the parkour that they had last year, this fits them much better. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. Not necessarily yeah. that it fits him better than Pogacar and Roglic. I think that Pogacar and Roglic are very, very good. Arguably one of the best riders, two of the best riders in the world, on mountains that have a steeper hill at the end. And we've seen that on Pumari, for example, those kind of climbs. We don't have that in this Tour de France, such a climb of Pumari. We have longer climbs. I think the 
called the port or whatever the port climb is these days because there are so many with port in the name that I don't know which one it is every time. But that one has some steep meters, but it's not like it's anything close to what a Pumari was like. So yeah, I'm curious. I think that on paper, he's right now the rider that I trust the most for Ineos after saying that for Yates for quite a while. I um I feel like Yates and Thomas are the two riders that are the leaders of Ineos right now. And I feel like Gagan Hart has not proven himself in the same nature. And they should have sent should him to the Giro. They should have sent Gagan Hart? Hart to the Giro to defend. Yeah. I I think his TT is bad or mediocre at best. Yeah. And he's good climber and they should have let him go and defend as a hedge if Bernal's back played up again at the Giro. Uh, and as a second GC threat, but it is what it is. I trust Gagan Hart almost more than Sivakov uh, at the Giro, but at the Tour, nah, it's not possible. So, yeah, I think it's really good for the sport that Thomas is in good condition and his shape is looking good. So we have more contenders and Ineos has a contender against the two Slovenians. That should make for more exciting racing. Should. We never know at the Tour. <laughs> can sometimes be disappointed, but... It's good that Thomas has got a win. He seems to be back in good condition. What about Froom Benji? Uh, not a good TT again today at Romandy. Not a good, not a good week for him at all. Is there any positives from this week for him? And what's what next for him? If you're ISU, having just seen this, what what do you go? Where do you go from here? It's really difficult, isn't it? Because I think they're sending him to the tour, which I think is fun for the first few stages, like Middle Britannia and such, but he's got so much competition on that that I don't think he has the final sprint punch to out sprint the likes of a, a Roglic or a Alaphilippe on that. I'm not talking about oh, Dan Fru- Martin. Oh, Fru- oh, wow. I, I heard Woods. <laughs> My mind heard Woods. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Someone clip NG was talking about Froome against Roglic. No, 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 no. That's not how it works here. Uh, in regards to Froome, I um, yeah. Uh, when it comes to uh, Froome, I'm actually uh, I don't know because he's not his looking at a might, remotely. His contract might make him take him as well. well. His contract might say it. That, then it's just stupid to sign a contract like that if you're unknown to his potential qualities at the Tour de France. I wouldn't have signed a contract like that personally. But yeah, definitely not if I'm paying 5 million euros on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's tough. We don't know. I think we might hear about it. We might not. I, I, I literally don't know what they do. They're in an impossible situation where this is the point. Is him getting to a decent enough condition to be able to go to the Tour and at least be like, you know, on the easier mountain stages, still G1, that's fine. Or be able to help Woods, I think is fine too because Woods Woods is good. Like Woods on these mountain top finishes, really good. His Romandy has been encouraging, as Benji was trying to say before I interrupted him. Like really good at this stage race. TT, no good. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a shame. And um, anyone want to give us – some insight or some inspiration down below on what ISU should do, I guess, in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. It's pretty difficult to know without being privy to the contract details. He might have an opt-in. If you were for him, Benji, if you were for him, this is a better question, would you want to be taken to the Tour de France? I don't think so. 
it's going to be pretty shameful, I think, if he comes with anything remotely like this form and there's no sign of a light at the end of the tunnel right now. And that's, I think, the issue for me in this situation. And I, I think that Froome just has the problem that he's in a situation where, well, for example, I saw an interview yesterday or this morning about, well, actually this morning after his time trial, and he was talking about, uh, we had a great win with Woodsy, blah, blah. And it just evaded his own process and talking about it. And it seems like it's come to a situation where he just probably can't explain it himself and can't find an excuse for it. I hope that he magically finds form just for the well-being of the guy, but just not looking too great, is it? I don't know. There's not. I'm yeah. not a, a specialist in <laughs> in in seeing if a rider is going to suddenly spark up and be strong again. But I think it's not looking uh, good, and I think he's not worthy to put in your Grand Tour team right now because it's taking away a good domestique, most likely, and. I think him as a rider would likely, while he would probably enjoy riding the Tour de France in itself, he's not in a form where he's going to be able to show anything. So it's going to be more of a shameful display throughout, which is just not he what he's also, looking for, I think. He could also miss a time cut, which would be terrible. Um, like he finished 33 minutes back yesterday and that was a hard stage, but there's some back-to-back hard stages in the Tour too. So yeah, it's tough. And that's definitely something to watch. But Tour de Romandie, rainy, difficult, some weird neutralizations. Mike Woods looking good. Geraint Thomas winning for the first time in nearly three years. And, I mean, I'm happy to be done with it because now we can focus on the Giro d'Italia. Um, but, yeah, stay tuned for that. Before that is our Q&A podcast dropping tomorrow, I think, Time for questions might have already elapsed unless Benji corrects me and uh, we'll explain a few things on that pod. Hotly anticipated, but until then, give this a like down below or give us a review on your podcast players if, you, if you've enjoyed the Twitter Romney grind and we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao.